Hello and welcome to the Brology Podcast. I'm Austin, aka G.I. Joe, and I'm here with Ryan, aka the captain of the f- captain of the flying Dutch muncher. I thought you were about to say like Captain the Flying Dutch Oven, but that's good too. Now, now who the fuck would want to be in a Dutch oven? Nobody chooses to be in a Dutch oven. Well, well, other than one person. John. Okay, now, bro, this happened two years ago, but I have a story of the week I want to talk about. Okay. It happened in January of 2020. Okay, a guy named Kevin Bacon, not the actor. That's what had me fucked up when I first read this. A man named Kevin Bacon has emerged after an alleged murder reporting, reportedly admitted to cannibalism. Bacon, a 25-year-old hairstylist, met with the accused killer, Mark Laniski, on Christmas Eve after matching on Grinder. You know, one of our favorite websites. Now, is that the grinder for like gay male hookups, or is that the grinder for like married men to meet up to share their love of hero sandwiches? No, no, that, that's that's the butt fucking one. I mean, I guess you could do that at both, but one involves a sandwich a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Well, anyways, well, when the guy <laughs> Kevin Bacon. He didn't show up to the Christmas breakfast. The family called the police, and four days later, his body was found tied up by his ankles in Lunsky's house. Lunsky is 50. He told police that he stabbed Bacon in the back and slit his throat, killing him. Then he hung him up from the rafters, and he told police that he cut his fucking date's testicles off and ate them. He ate Kevin Bacon's testicles, bro. He ate Kevin Bacon's nuts. Yes. Austin, you ever had a Rocky Mountain Oyster? No. They're not bad. I don't want to eat any fucking mammal's testicles. I'm sorry. They're not bad. They're good. If you're trying to get buff, they're good for you. I mean, bro, you know, gay people like taking it in the ass. I don't. I mean, everybody has their own personal preference, you know? What if it made your dick bigger? I, I, I'm satisfied with the size I got. I can do what I need to do. I mean, it's hard to do anything with an inch, but I can do what I need to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, a lot of people will say that they won't do anything until it's like, you know what? That does benefit me in some way, so I'll do it now. But, no, Rocky Mountain Oysters aren't bad, man. A little bit of hot sauce, you know, maybe like a piece of white bread. <laughs> it can't be wheat bread. It's just got to be white bread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Speaking... typically you're eating these things at a bar, right? So they're not getting good wheat bread or anything like that. That Like if they got bread, they just got like a loaf of fucking bullshit, like bunny in the what back. What exactly or is a Rocky Mountain oyster? Like what it's animal? Cat, uh, it's a bull. It's a bull's testicle. And it's usually pickled. Like, oh, see, see, no, you, you, 
I would have tried it before you said that, way before I tried if it was pickled, because pickled shit already tastes like ass. The only thing that tastes remotely good pickled is a fucking pickle. What about like, pickled okra? No. Never had oh, it. Oh, man, pickled okra is fucking delicious. I can't fuck with, like, pickled um, pickled weenies, like the hot weenies, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, beer. Don't fuck with those. Don't fuck with, like, pickled vegetables, like pickled peppers. Dude, None of that fucking... Can't the, do it, dude. The Penrose pickled hot sausages? God, they're fucking good. I can't do it, bro. I, I don't know. I just don't like... It's too vinegary. Like, I mean, granted, pickles have a strong taste, but it's not that taste if that makes sense i mean i don't know man when i was a kid i dated a soccer player and so i got really used to a vinegary taste and now <laughs> you know now i'm i'm like ooh that tastes good you know like dude pickle whatever i don't give a shit pickle a shoe you pickle a fucking boot i'll probably eat a pickled boot just why because it'd be good i don't see a, i don't see a problem with pickled boot man pickled boot would be fine little, let's the same scenario little hot sauce maybe a, a slice of bread give me a pickled boot well anyways ron what are we doing the podcast on this week we are doing ghost ships and oh bro you said ghost ships i thought you said ghost ships this whole time dude like a oh, so you, shit oh uh, okay so this whole time you've been talking about like when you take like a massive fucking dump but then and you then go to there's... go wipe and the paper's clean yeah yeah no no that's not what we're doing man i mean i oh. guess you can talk about that if you want fuck man i did three days worth of research on that shit and that's not what we're doing it on Nah, how did you come up with three days worth of research on that? Like, what is the... Alright, so what is the science behind a clean butthole? Okay, the more protein you eat, the more stern the shit is. So when it comes out of your ass, it doesn't stick to your anus walls as much. Therefore, you don't need toilet paper. You know, toilet paper is almost exclusively an American thing. Like, most other countries don't really fuck with it. They have, like, a bidet or just hop in the shower. Oh, mainly, like, bidet or they'll have, like, cultural artifacts that they use. Like, some countries still use, like, <clears throat> um, like certain types of cloth or, or something like that. Like they'll or rocks. Use <laughs> yeah, like different shit. <laughs> I mean, but, like for real, like there's some countries that use fucking rocks. Like, yeah. Could you imagine trying to wipe your ass with a rock? Like, have you ever wiped your ass too hard and like there's a little blood on the toilet paper, bro? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Just imagine doing that shit with a goddamn rock or a seashell. Yeah. Well, in America, pre 1860, like right after the Civil War. You know, Americans just wipe their asshole with corn cobs. Now, did they stick it up their asshole and like twist it, or was it just like wiping? It was just like wiping. You would just take the you like when you got done eating your corn, you would save the cob, and then at the end, or once you had to go take a shit, you would take it and you would drag it lengthwise across your butthole, and all the little pockets 
from the eating corn kernels would clean up your butthole. Now, bro, we could probably make like a actual hour long podcast on this shit. Like, just keep going off of shit. And, and we'll still do it for a few minutes, but I just want to let everybody <laughs> know out there that, no, I really did not think it was about ghost shits. I know it's ships, but we're going to continue this conversation. So how the fuck is somebody going to wipe their ass with a fucking corn cob? Like, bro, like, like, I guess. Okay, I got a question. When did anal sex become a thing, though? Uh, as because long as there have been both dicks and buttholes. No, I no, I understand that. But like, could you imagine fucking one like back in the day when they're trying to wipe their ass with a corn cob or like a fucking leaf? Like whenever they couldn't get that shit clean, and they yeah, had like the a same time. I whenever like they, they had like three months, but whenever they had like three months worth of shit back there, you know. No, I'm sure they jumped in a river at some point between then and then. But what I'm saying is, is that like, honestly, if you're wiping your asshole with shells and rocks and corn cobs and leaves and sticks and all that, it's probably pretty calloused. So, you know, if you're trying to, you know, do some butt stuff, honestly, it probably wouldn't hurt them any. They would probably just be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's better than that rock. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. We still got to do an episode on like the history of sex toys. Yeah, we really do. We're going to do that shit next week. Fuck whatever we're supposed to do next week. We're doing the history of sex toys next week. Hell yeah. Because I think that'll be fucking hilarious as hell. Because you know they have that like one wooden vibrator where they put like bees in? <laughs> you, you've heard not. of that, hadn't you? No, no you I've never heard of the bee-powered vibrator. Yeah. That sounds like, like some shit out of the Flintstones. Like, it was a queen that had it, but, like, it didn't work good because they all fucking died, like, kind of fast. Now, when you say it was a queen that had it, you mean, like, royalty or, like... Yes, royalty. Not like a queen okay. bee. That wasn't the queen I was talking about. No. Okay, well, you know what the fuck I mean. Yeah. No, I was talking, like, John. <laughs> just speaking a real of, fucking queen speaking of john i'll be at your house in like two and a half weeks three weeks yeah me too motherfucker are you going down there around christmas yeah i am what day uh, i'm not sure yet as i say, i think me and ashley's going the 28th or 29th through the 30th 31st somewhere in that time frame well, goddamn. So I might see you down there. No, you'll see me down there. I'm going to, you'll see me down there. Plan on bringing some peoples. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So is there a specific ghost ship that you would like to talk about first? Like, do you want to save the heavy hitters for later on? Or do you want to go ahead and kind of throw them in here and there? So, first off, I just want to define what a ghost ship is, because technically what you hear in your mind's eye when somebody says a ghost ship and what, like, actual sailors call a ghost ship are two totally different things. So, 
as just a random person sitting in your home, probably in your underwear right now, when you hear the term ghost ship, you th- you literally think of like an ethereal ship in the distance, you know, clouded in fog, sailing with no crew, or even if it has a crew, they're made up of like skeletons or ghosts or some shit, right? Like that's what most people think of when they think of a ghost ship. But in actual like nautical terms, a ghost ship is any derelict vessel that has no power or no crew, right? So technically you can be on a ship that is fully crewed and everybody that's supposed to be there is there. But if whatever its means of propulsion no longer works, it's now a derelict ship. It is a ghost ship. It's just drifting aimlessly throughout the ocean. Or by that same standard, if it's a ship that's in perfect working order, but there's just no crew on board, also a ghost ship. It's just anything that just cannot move under its own power. But now there is a bunch of ghost stories that go along with ships, too. So, oh, fuck ton. <laughs> that's, like, I remember growing up, like, watching, like, Scooby-Doo, shit like that. Is my mic too loud, by the way? Uh, Does it sound too loud? Uh, no. I guess not. Fuck it. Okay, but uh, I remember like growing up watching like, Scooby-Doo and shit like that. Like, You remember the ghost ship? Like with the fucking Captain Hook and all that shit? Oh, yeah. That ship was the shit. But... I mean, ghost ship ghost ships have been a thing like throughout history like not not in the way he means like ghost ships but like actual ships that people think are ghosts oh yeah it goes back as far as sailing goes like the earliest reported uh encounter with a like spirit vessel so to speak it actually comes from like ancient china and, like as far back as like 30 something 100 bc and the truth behind this is that it could be like a mirage from people seeing like being on a ship because like have you ever seen like in the distance how if you're standing on a shoreline and you look over the ocean it looks like a boat's hovering it's the same type of concept as that yeah and so it's like you can either see like another vessel that appears to be hovering above the water and to be fair if you're a sailor, and especially if you're an experienced sailor, you've seen that a million times. You know exactly what that is. But chances are, especially like way back in the day, like pre, I would even say like pre 1910, 1920. Honestly, if you're a sailor, you probably don't know how to read or write, to be completely honest. If you're not a military sailor or something along those lines or ex military. Yeah. Well, you I probably mean, don't know how to read or write. So anybody documenting these like encounters with like ghostly vessels and stuff like that are probably people that are not sailors that are just on board a ship going from point A to point B and have no idea what the fuck they're seeing. Yeah, but I'm not. I've, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Like I'm not disproving anything by whenever I said that. But with ghost ships, it's. There are plenty of explanations that it could be besides being a ghost, but now there's some like legit shit where 
a ship has been seen in several different ports after that ship went missing on the ocean. Or sank. Yeah, yeah or sank. Oh, yeah. So, like, just out gate to just kind of start talking about this. So, obviously, the most famous ghost ship is the Flying Dutchman, right? And the Flying Dutchman is... The captain was a dick. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is there's no, like, cohesive lore around the Flying Dutchman, right? Like, the Flying Dutchman is very very ambiguous when it comes to its actual lore it's kind of like the jersey devil right like there's no like definitive birth of the jersey devil like there's a million different versions of how the jersey devil came to be it's the same thing with the flying dutchman like there's a million different stories for how the flying dutchman became the ship that it is who crews it who's the captain it all depends on like Who's telling the story, what time period the story comes out of, and what cult or like what country along like the Mediterranean and like North Atlantic in Europe? Like and, which one of those is telling the story? Yeah, and then you got Davy Davy Jones Foot Locker. Yeah, which is where they sell like the best sneakers, really, is Davy <laughs> Jones Foot Locker. Like you get great deals. But <clears throat> No, but it's the the Flying Dutchman is a perfect place to start with all of this, just for the simple fact that you can kind of knock out a lot of the nitty gritty when it comes to some of these um, other stories. So, like with the Flying Dutchman, you know, it's like it was a he was a you know the the most common through lines are that he was a, the captain was a privateer during the um french or like the war with the french revolution during the french revolution and everything else like fighting against napoleon now the story of the flying dutchman goes back much farther centuries before that damn near but there's just a fuck ton of stories that involve it during that time period just because of napoleon's armada and everything else and there were so many ships out the sea for such a long period of time throughout all the wars in and around the 1800s in and around Europe, right? Or the 17 and 1800s. I mean, you had sailors that could be out to sea for years at a time. There were so many fucking naval wars. And, um, and so one of the things was that it was always a privateer, right? It was always a privateer vessel. So these were people that were basically legal pirates going out, committing piracy in the name of whatever government they worked for. So looked down on. Like, to be completely honest, privateers were almost looked down on more than actual pirates because at least actual pirates weren't doing it for some government, right? Because obviously everybody's always got a bad taste in their mouth anytime you mention the word government, right? Yeah. And so he's always a privateer captain, it was always that his greed got the better of him and that he ended up making in, in a lot of the stories. It's that he made a deal with the devil or he made a deal with some evil spirit from the sea to basically turn the flying Dutchman into an uncatchable vessel. And as long as they were uncatchable, then they could basically be pirates 
till their heart's content. Nobody could ever catch them. Uh, you know, the, the authorities were never going to string them up and hang them and quarter them or anything like that. But as payment, if they were ever caught, then they would be damned to serve on that ship forever. And yada, yada, yada. And of course, like different stories, have them getting caught in different ways and having the captain being killed in different ways and everything else. But there's a lot of through lines with a lot of ghost ships around the world that kind of fall in with that. It's always either one of two things, either some like horrible tragedy has happened. And so that ship is kind of stuck in a loop, constantly reliving that tragedy or it is a ship and a crew that did something horrible or were known for doing horrible things that as punishment in the afterlife, they're now, you know, they'll never see land again. So it's just this ship that's always out to sea and these, these uh, sailors will never be able to see home or see port or anything like that. They're damned to, to work this ship forever. All right. So, you're telling me all the lore I learned about on fucking SpongeBob was wrong? I mean, I'm not trying to tell you that everything you learned on SpongeBob is wrong. Because honestly, SpongeBob got a lot of things right. I mean, it, just because it was a kid show doesn't mean they couldn't actually like know a thing or two. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at Leif Erickson Day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Leif Erickson Day, man. All right, so David Jones Locker. I'm sure a lot of people have refer or have heard the name David Jones Locker. It's not a like a foot locker or like some treasure or anything like that. Basically what is referred to as David Jones locker is kinda like I guess the great abyss you would say in the ocean where a bunch of the ships that go down or a bunch of like the captains and crew that drown they consider their the place they end up like Davy Jones locker, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kinda like um it's like a shabulba for sailors, right? Like yeah. it's the under it's not hell, you know, but it's it's more akin to like the way like the Greeks or Romans saw like the underworld or like the way the Mayans saw the underworld. Like there's a spot that you can go to where you're dead, you're still dead, but you're not in like hell or anything. You're not getting punished. It's just you're just damned to be in the ocean forever or on the ocean forever. Yeah. Which I mean, if you're a sailor, you know, and then you and you genuinely love the sea, fuck it, I'll be damned. Like I would love to be damned to the sea. Damn me to the sea all day. I will gladly just sail around, just being a ghost. That shit would be badass. I love the fucking ocean. <laughs> I don't know, man. If you get stuck out there too long, though, it it would suck. I mean, you're dead. What? I mean, what would suck more? Being stuck out to sea. For all eternity or being like, I don't know, stuck in your apartment. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got stuck in the house too long during COVID anyway, so uh, I'm done with that shit. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, okay, the first, or I guess the next one I want to talk about. I'm not going to do that one I did. Uh, I'm going to change it up. The SS Bachimo. Oh, yeah, the fucking Pachimo, man. Which, this will kind of get into some of the stuff we'll talk about, because a lot of the shipwrecks are actually in the Arctic, and it has to do with the ice sheets 
kind of trapping the ships because like the ice sheets will open up and a ship will think it's okay to pass through but with the way the ocean and the wind and all that shit goes it pushes the ice sheets together and they will reform ice like around the ship and sometimes it'll even crush the ship and it'll cause the ship to sink yeah well with the ss pachimo it was um i guess you would say like a fucking uh cargo type crew that were transporting goods from where was it europe uh well this was in the pacific northwest so they were coming from um south america i believe was it south america and then they went up through canada and all that shit Mm -hmm. yeah because they ended up getting trapped in some ice off vancouver in canada in 1931 well the crew kind of just abandoned ship because they didn't want to get caught in it because the company that they were working for was like, no, you have to get this shit delivered. Well, the guy, well, there was a representative on the boat that was like, no, we got to keep going. Well, they ended up getting stuck in the ice sheet. Like I was just talking about. And once the, or they all jumped off and went to a nearby town. Well, whenever the ice sheet melted, they went back two days later to try to break free of the, or like to get back on the ship and continue their voyage. Well, the ship had actually broken out of the ice and was floating in the water. And they tried to get to it, but they found out, like, the ship's too badly damaged. There ain't no point in getting back on it because we'll just end up drowning or sinking the ship. Well, eventually, they go back, and they were, we're going to see what they could do to repair it and everything. But the ship was gone. So, later that week, they actually heard that... A local hunter had seen it floating about 45 miles away. So it hadn't sunk yet. But then this is one of those ships that they keep seeing, like year after year after year. But there was several instances for the next 23 years that I guess different sailors would see that ship floating around. And the last actual, um, I guess sighting of the ship was in 1969 but no one knows if it's really sunk or still floating out there yeah in 2006 the alaskan government actually like designated a small team to start searching off the coast of alaska to try and find where it sank if it sank either find it or find where it sank just because they want basically want to get it back because it's such a huge cultural cultural artifact now like that was like, there was a tourism industry built up in Alaska and off the western coast of Canada for decades where they would, like, people would come and hire ships to take them out to see if they could spot the Pachimo, man. Like, yeah, just because it would it keep showing up. Like, so you're talking, you had sightings from, so like 1930, or like March of 1933, August 1933, July 1934, September 1935, November 1939, um, again in 1939, fucking 1962. Like, think, think about that gap, though. That's a 20-year gap. For a ship to be out there unmanned. Yeah. And to still be floating almost 40 years later, that's fucking wild. Yeah, and for all we know, it's still there. It's still just out there floating around somewhere. The ocean's so big, you really don't fucking know. 
And like people might not be able to see it from like planes or whatever because it could have like a layer of ice built up on the deck that it might just look like part of the ice sheets. Yeah. Like you might not even notice it was there. <laughs> Man, could you imagine? Like, because you went on, did you go on a cruise for Alaska or y'all just stayed in Alaska? Yeah, we flew up there. I was going to say, like, those cruises in Alaska, could you imagine just being on the cruise ship and seeing, like, some fucking old-ass-looking boat just floating on the water? Right, like, yeah, some old steam liner just, like, off in the distance and be like, huh, look at that. <laughs> you ever been on a cruise? Yeah. I haven't. They're fun. They're a lot of fun, man. I feel like the Alaskan cruise would be the shit, though. You don't want to do an Alaskan cruise. Wow, it's too cold? <sighs> no, it's just... If you do an Alaskan cruise, you're going to have, you would have to fly from here to like Washington or Vancouver to get on the boat. And then once you did your cruise, you'd have to fly back, but you could get like the same experience if you just flew to Alaska and then did Alaska stuff. Yeah, you with you know, like you don't need the middleman of the boat. Like, if you want to take a cruise, I would recommend doing like a Caribbean cruise, just because hell, you can drive to Charleston. You're not having to pay yeah. like fifteen hundred bucks for you know round trip for one person to get to Washington to then also have to pay for the cruise. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Then I guess the next one we'll hop on is the SS Valencia. And it was a passenger ship that was struck, or that got struck on a reef between San Francisco and Seattle in 1906. Over 100 people died. The ships filled with water and obviously started to go down. Well, it was equipped with five life rafts, but in the aftermath of the disaster, there were only four of them found, so maybe it just disappeared or a few people got off on it. But 27 years later, the last lifeboat was found. It was floating completely intact. 27 years later, a life raft. That's even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just out there floating around, man. And then they found one in a cave, too. Some cave divers were going in a cave off Vancouver Island and found a lifeboat like 200 feet inside this cave with skeletons in it. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't see nothing about that one. Yeah, dude, shit's fucking crazy on that. <laughs> so, um, the the coolest, or not the coolest, that's it's fucked up to say the coolest, but the most interesting part about the whole uh, Valencia thing, man, is the fact that it was such a well-documented shipwreck. Like, there were other ships that actually showed up to try and save these people and everything else, but the weather was just so bad. And so it's not like one of those ghost story ships or whatever where it's all like, oh, yeah, we heard it went down off the coast and only the survivors told it. There were hundreds of witnesses on the other ships of what the events were and everything else. So it's like this was really well documented. And so like some of the, the spooky shit that, you know, we're going to talk about when it comes to this ship here in a minute. It's all like, OK, all right. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> And so that nobody knows how the little um, RAV survived so long at sea because it just seemingly appeared out of fucking nowhere. And like I said, a life raft to uh, do that shit, 
you gotta think of what a life raft is made out of. It's not like fucking steel and shit. It's I don't even know what the fuck. Just water soaked wood. Yeah, I was gonna say like it, it's shitty ass cheap wood. Yeah. So it's basically worst case scenario type shit. Yeah, I mean the life rafts were built to be light, you know. So it's like it's not like thick, like fucking treated oak and shit that's meant to be, you know, out to sea for decades. But anyways, the Valencia, it was just left to rot on the reef, pretty much. Like they just left it there. There wasn't any attempts to save it or anything. And for years afterwards, a bunch of sailors claimed they saw it just floating, unmanned, just chilling out in the sea. Which is, you know, it's impossible because it's like very well documented that this boat is sitting underneath the waves on this reef. Like it's like 30, 40 feet underneath the waves on this reef. Like it's not floating anywhere, but that doesn't stop people from still seeing it. No. And like multiple, multiple witnesses. Like there were, uh, I've, I've read some stories of people that were like on cruises off the coast of Vancouver that swore to God they got pictures of this fucking thing. And then when they got the film developed, there was just nothing there. It was just open ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Like whole ships and everything all saying that they saw it. And then on its anniversary of the, on the anniversary of the sinking, every couple of years, the, there'll be fishermen or sometimes even lighthouse attendants because the Canadian government was like, Oh, no, 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 we need to fix this. This part of the... Because it's called the Graveyard of the Pacific, this area where it sank. Yeah. Because so many ships have sank there. And so the Canadian government finally said, nope, fuck this. And they, they built a lighthouse, and then they got, like, a western trail uh, established off the coast where it's like, this is the only path ships are allowed to take because we've designated it as safe and, and everything else. And But, yeah, every couple of years on the anniversary of the sinking, there'll be... Reports that get radioed in of fishermen and stuff like that saying like, hey, you know, there's a there's a ship that's stuck on a reef out here by the lighthouse and everything else. You know, you need to send help. And so the Canadian government will send like the Coast Guard and stuff and there'll be nothing there. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, I guess the next one I want to get into is the Mary Celestia or Celeste. Celeste. And that ship left from New York going towards Italy on December 5th, 1872. Well, the ship was found abandoned near the coast of Portugal. And the crazy thing about it, everything was on board, like cargo, cruise belongings. It looked like hadn't been touched at all. So they don't think it was pirates or anything like that. And one thing they found on there was a logbook, and it was dated November 25th. And the only thing missing was a single lifeboat. It had... Uh, 10 people on the boat had just vanished. Nobody saw them anywhere. Nobody had ever heard from them. There was no trace of what happened to them besides that lifeboat being gone. And there was also a sounding rod, which is a little device that measures how much water the ship can hold. It was left behind on the deck. It led some people to believe that the crew had kind of like mistakenly believed that the boat was sinking and they abandoned the ship. But... No one ever heard from the crew. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, dude. It, it's that's crazy, and it, it's it, that's one of those. It's kind of like 
that's like the ocean equivalency of the of Roanoke, right? Where yeah. it's all like, hey, everything seems to be perfectly fine here. Where is everybody? Hey, there's still food and stuff sitting out on the tables that hasn't spoiled yet. Where the fuck is everybody? We, we need to do a podcast on Roanoke. We do need to do a podcast on Roanoke. So, I don't know what made me just think of this. Because it doesn't technically count as a ghost ship. But it's fucking crazy as shit nonetheless. So, there was this ship back in 2014, right? And it was called the... Uh, Shit, I'm not going to be able I might not even be able to pronounce this. The Luabov Oreovia. And it was uh, a Finnish cruise liner, basically, that had gotten decommissioned and it was getting ready to be taken to a scrapyard in Ireland to, or not in Ireland, Scotland, to basically get dismantled for parts and everything else and then used to build other ships. Well, in its travels, it broke free of its towing line and ended up getting like left out at sea because of bad weather, right? And so when the salvage company tried to go back and find it, they couldn't. And so months and months and months went by, and then they, it finally got spotted, and then they were able to go back and hook it up, and they tried to bring it back into port again and again. Some shit happened, it ended up breaking free, and then it got lost again. And so it ended up just bouncing all over the North Atlantic. Like, there were just all these reports of where it was and you know, what condition it was in and everything else. But at one point, it had picked up enough momentum because it had gotten caught in the North Atlantic stream, right? That Like, that current that circles around in the North Atlantic that it was just barreling towards Ireland. But at this point, it had been derelict and out the sea for so long that there was literally tens of thousands of rats that had bred and grown up, and different generations of rats that have just grown up on this ship. I'm talking like, I, I think the last estimate that I saw was that there was like 50 or 60,000. God, <laughs> And there was, they'd already consumed all the food, so they were cannibals. And so the way that they were surviving is they were eating each other. And so there was literally like 60,000 cannibal rats just heading for the coast of Ireland. And so it's like, that's terrifying, man. <laughs> like, just blow that motherfucker up. <laughs> just sink that shit. Like, that's fucking scary as hell, man. Could you imagine being like the scrap people, right? Like the salvage people, like you go out there, you moor it up and everything else, you get it all bolted and you get back on board to make sure that like the rudders and everything are in a loose position so that you can, you know, they haven't built up anything that needs to get broken free. Because if you don't move them over time, then they'll lock, right? The salt water will corrode and barnacles and shit and they'll lock up and then they wouldn't be able to really tow it. And uh, could you imagine being that guy that had to get on board that motherfucker? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't fucking, fucking do 60, it. Fucking 60,000 cannibal rats? I wouldn't fucking do it. They'd be go, everywhere. Go out there in like an EOD suit or some shit. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. You Give me the Iron Man suit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want those things to be able to bite me. Okay. Another one. Have you ever heard of the ocean wave? I have not. 
Okay, in July of 1975, a Dutch performance artist, Bas Jan Adair, set sail from Cape Cod in a 12-foot boat. It was like a little sailboat. His goal was to set a record for the smallest boat to ever cross the Atlantic from west to east on a solo journey. After three weeks, everything was going good. Well, everything was going good for the first three weeks, and then he lost radio communication, and they assumed he was lost. Well, about 10 months later, his ship was found adrift off the coast of Ireland. He was nowhere to be found, so he probably fell off. But some people speculate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a big journey to make in a small sailboat. I mean, yeah. But uh, (laughs) some people assume that this was his last performance piece i guess you would say yeah and that he had intended to commit suicide once he set sail others think he may have accidentally fallen overboard which i do too i mean it's a big ass ocean and a little sailboat yeah and he, i'm sure he packed booze <laughs> if you're gonna be by yourself that long I'm, I'm boozing it up but um but whether or not his disappearance was intentional i was gonna say he left a legend yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but there's a bunch of cases of, like, small little yachts and shit like that that disappear, too. Yeah, but, especially in, like, places like the Bermuda Triangle and stuff like that. You're constantly hearing stories about, like, random, like, little private yachts and sailboats just found drifting all by themselves out in the middle of nowhere. I remember watching a movie whenever I was younger. I can't think of the name of the movie right now, but this teenager like set sail to make like a trip that no one had ever made before and like he ended up getting trapped in the middle of the ocean and somehow they ended up finding him and saving him but could you imagine being lost on a little boat in the middle of the ocean and all your radio communications are fucking out that would just fucking suck that that, that would be because like as big as the fucking ocean is and as big as the waves are like in the middle of the ocean and shit well, maybe not so much the middle of the ocean, but like if a storm's coming, you're fucked. Yeah, like yeah, you're just fucked. There ain't nothing you can fucking do. I mean, that's why I've been saying for years that that's like that's my retirement plan, right? Like whenever I get to retirement age, I'm just gonna like you know sell the house, sell the wife and kids, buy <laughs> <laughs> buy like a hundred foot, maybe a hundred and twenty foot like double mass catch. And then I'm just going to, like, sail around the world. I'm just going to sail around, like, pop into little towns or whatever, work a bar. You know, as a bartender for long enough to, like, put gas back in the boat, put some groceries on it and everything else, and then head back out to sea. And if I get too old to the point where I really can't keep up with that lifestyle anymore, I'm just going to sail into a fucking hurricane, go out all Lieutenant Dan style. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fucking scary, though, man. Like, just... Like, cause the thing about being on the ocean, storms come up out of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like off the coast of Africa and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. The Ivory Coast is bad for it. So is the Gulf. Like they'll come up out of nowhere, or um, the Philippines, like the South China Sea and shit like that. No, that'll fuck you up if you're not if you don't pay close attention to the weather. Typhoons, man. Typhoons, hurricanes. Yeah. Ty- Cyclones. It's all the same shit. Yeah, it's all the same shit. <laughs> I say. Now, could you imagine, like, have you ever seen those world record waves? Like, where the dudes surf? Like, there ain't no fucking way, bro. Like, there ain't no fucking way. 
I'm surfing like a fucking 70 foot wave. I think the world record right now is like 90 something foot. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I don't know. I know they're, I'd have to Google it, but I know they get fucking big, man. They get really fucking big. Like, especially off like the coast of Chile and shit. That's the one where like it goes out a little bit and then drops really deep. Yeah. It's like a huge fucking couple hundred foot drop off from like the beach. That'd be scary. So, I I'll say this much. I that's one reason I prefer the ocean to like going to like the pool or whatever or on a lake or in a river. Is I kind of like for um whatever activity I'm participating in, I kind of like for it to be trying to also kick my ass. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> trying uh, to kill you at the same time. Yeah, I kind of I kind of get off on that and. Uh, so it's like, I love, like, that used to be my favorite thing in the entire world is like, we would, like, if me and my friends knew that like a hurricane was coming or like a bad tropical storm, we'd all grab like our boogie boards and like our surfboards and shit. And we'd all go hit, hit the beach and just like hang out on the beach during the storm. Um, just because the waves would be fucking nuts. And the only, and like animals and shit will steer clear when bad storms and stuff are coming in like that, the only thing you have to worry about is like jellyfish and stuff, because obviously they can't get out of the way. No. But as long as you got like a wetsuit on and stuff, not most of the time, you're going to be okay with any jellyfish on the East coast. Man of war, Portuguese man of war will fuck you up pretty good, but um, it's not going to kill you. It's going to suck. Is that when you tie a extension cord around your neck when you beat off? Cause you're always into like dangerous shit, dude. Yeah. That's what a Portuguese man of war is. I, I, no, I'm talking about you say you're always into the dangerous shit. Yeah. Man, I just hope I don't come over and do the podcast one day and like find you hanging from the closet like with your fucking dick in your hand. You in know? a Batman suit. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go out all David Carradine, man. But, uh, but no, man, it used to be a lot of fun. And we would get, even here on the East Coast, like sometimes we would get some pretty substantial waves. Like I remember going out there and catching some that were like, 25 30 feet and dude a a 25 or 30 foot swell in a hurricane is fucking intimidating like that shit is scary as fuck like a lot of times depending on how it looked i wouldn't even try to fuck with it i would just break out you know i'd ride it up and break over the top and wait for like another one to come in because it was just it was just too much it was too big and um I couldn't imagine doing like a 90 foot fucking wave, dude. They have a documentary on Netflix about it. Yeah. That shit's interesting, though. Yeah, I couldn't. If you get a chance, I can't. I think it's called The Wave. I think so. Check that shit out. Oh, yeah. No. That. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> God, I couldn't imagine. You'd, I'd be like shitting my pants the whole time I'm riding down it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to die and shit your pants anyway, so you might as well shit while you on the wave. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you're essentially riding an avalanche. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all it's all that the amount of pressure and weight of that water coming down on top like, of you. Just have you ever like and like your grandparents pool or like a local pool or something, you swim down on the bottom and you feel all that pressure. And that's in like at max, like a 10 foot deep pool, 10, 12 foot deep pool. Yeah. Now imagine 10 times that much on a, like a regular wave. Now a hundred foot wave, it's going to be a whole lot fucking more. Like it, it's just concrete. Yeah. 
Like they say, I think it's if you fall, what, 80 foot into water, it can kill you? Yeah, it's the equivalency of falling on like concrete. concrete. My thing is, what's the biggest wave that's ever caught you and just smashed your ass on the floor at the beach? Like just straight knocked you flat on your fucking ass. Like picked you up and just slammed you. It wasn't that big. 10, 12 foot? Yeah. Like. Beat the shit out of you, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Now imagine 100 foot. Fuck, man. Just gonna yeah. crush you. The ocean's a scary fucking place, dude. The ocean is fucking it's scary. fucking awesome at the same time, though. Yeah. They still say we know more about outer space than we do our own ocean. Eh, which is true, because, I mean, it, it hell, in, in some ways, it's almost easier to get to fucking space at this point than it is to, like, get something down to the bottom of the ocean. They still don't have something that's consistently can stay at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. I mean, Graham, we don't know how far out in the space we can go, but you have a fucking two, uh, what is it, satellites or whatever that's way the fuck out of our solar system now. Uh, the Voyagers. They're like on the edge of our solar system or whatever. Yeah, Voyager 1 and 2. No, they're in interstellar space now. Oh, they yeah, are, that is they right. are. It's been, it's been like within the last year that they finally reached that. Mm-hmm. Yep, so they are officially interstellar now. They are no longer confined to our solar system. And I'm surprised they still work. Yeah. I mean, that's that goes back to that whole thing with people being like, we never went to the moon. It's like, motherfucker, we built fucking satellites in the 60s that are outside of our solar system that still work. Like, don't get me wrong. They're not powerful. But fuck it. That's back when we built shit the last. They, they were built 50 years ago, and they are still in space. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, they only cut on, like, ever so often. Yeah. And they keep having fear of, like, they're about to fucking die. Yeah. But I think it takes, like, 18 hours to get the information when it cuts on to send it back here. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would you rather have? One of those or, like, a 1996 Ford Taurus? Because one's definitely more reliable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. So, look, I got a cool story, um, a cool ghost story for uh, this one. So, there's... There's no way to confirm that this ever actually happened. There's no way to confirm that this ever actually happened. It first appears in a um, newspaper article in London back in the 1700s, mid-1700s. And um, it depends on which newspaper was reporting on it as to what the name of the ship was. But the most common name for the ship was the Octavius. So what ended up happening was is there were some ships, or a ship, a schooner, off the coast of Greenland that was on its way to Canada, right? When it sees this random ship kind of start floating free of a bunch of glacial ice that was floating off the coast. So the ship goes, you know, start tries to flag it to make sure everybody's okay and everything else. No, there's no response, no nothing. So they get closer and go to go uh, check it out. Still nothing. They're not getting anything. There's a thick layer of ice all on the ship. Um, so they they get on board. They start making their way through the ship, and everybody on board is dead. Everybody on board is frozen solid where they where they died. And they end up finding their way into the captain's quarters and then come to find out that the last entry in the ship was like 13 years earlier. Shit. 
So the ship had been stuck in the ice for 13 years, and basically the the way the log was saying was that they had they were trying they had seen a huge gap in the ice, and they were like, oh, this might be the mythical Northwest Passage. You know, we might be able to become famous basically by by finding the north the Northwest Passage. And so they head into the ice fields, and the next thing they know, they get trapped. And so now they're just stuck in the ice. There's no way to get food, no way to get fresh water, no way to do anything. So they all just basically just die. They all just freeze to death on this fucking ship. So the for fear that the ice is going to close up around them too, the they grab the logbook and everything else and hightail it off the ship and everything else. And supposedly the Octavius got spotted off the coast of Greenland for the next 30 years. Like, occasionally they would just see this ship that was just, like, frozen in place inside of a chunk of glacial ice. Like, not in a position where it could sink because it was now part of the glacier or the iceberg or whatever you want to call it. It was, like, part of it now. Shit. And so, for, like, 30 years, occasionally people would see this, like, wooden ship. So, there's a high probability that... It's still out there. It's still out there. Yeah, just covered buried in ice and snow and everything else never know it was there it'd be fun to go on like an adventure like out in the arctic like i mean i know it's dangerous as shit but like and just look around because i'm sure there's several other boats like that too oh yeah i'm so there's probably hundreds honestly because ships used to go missing all the constantly yeah from especially before like the 1900s yeah. And before that, they really didn't have a good way to keep track. Yeah. I'd say from like probably between the 1400s and like probably even the 1930s, you probably had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ships go missing up in the Northwest and Northeast. Like the Northern Atlantic and the Northern Pacific. I'm sure yeah. hundreds. And God knows how many of them are just like. Yeah, just frozen in, in an ice right sheet. Now, how many are just like floating in the Atlantic, for example? Just out there? Yeah. Like just the Atlantic. God only knows. Because, I mean, you're not going to have a huge ice problem in the Atlantic. No, but at the same time, it's like depending on the, the ship or whatever, hell, it could be out there for decades and decades and decades. It, it would be fucking wild, and I would not be surprised if, like, in the next year or two or whatever like somebody found like an old ship from like the 1500s that was still just like floating around out there yeah like just uh, you know happened to by chance dodge every storm and rogue wave and everything else coming like through every storm that it hit it just pushed it like kept pushing it back and forth yeah from, like coast to coast yeah. all right another one i want to talk about is the high aim six it was a indonesian fish boat it was found floating off the coast of Australia. The captain, the chief engineer, and all 10, cr- 10 crew members were missing. The captain hadn't been in contact with anyone since December. This was in 2000, January 2003. The captain hadn't been in contact with anyone since December. Phone records show that the, the ship's engineer's cell phone had made a bunch of calls after the ship was found. When police tracked down one of the crew members, he had said there had been a mutiny... The captain and the engineer were killed, and the crew had just basically said, fuck it, and went home. So it was just people getting killed on the ship. I don't know if there was something bad going on with the ship, but the crew members couldn't explain why the captain and engineer were killed, and no charges were ever filed. The police never found the rest of the crew. 
<laughs> so the crew probably just got pissed off at the captain and engineer and probably either killed him or yeah probably they probably were just like you know what fuck that dick yeah The SS Outrange Medan. You heard of this one? No. In 1947, the Outrage or Outrange Medan left for China for Puerto Rico. In June of that year, several other ships in the Strait of Malacca, Indonesia, received the SOS from the Outrange Media. Median. I'm, I'm probably butchering the fuck out of that name, but. It read that all officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in the chart room and the bridge. Possibly whole crew dead. After a moment, the message was transmitted, saying, I die. So, it's a little creepy. But when the uh, when the crew of another ship was finally able to board it, they found all the crew dead with terrified looks on their faces. How, like, if you die, how do you keep a terrified look on your face, though? It's one of those things like, you know, uh, you've never seen, like, especially in, like, uh, horror movies and stuff like that. Like, somebody gets scared to death, and so it's like, the you know, all the, like, they get rigor mortis or whatever, and so they're still just like, <laughs> I know this is a uh, audio medium, and so nobody could see the face that I just made, but just picture. A zombie. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> but, <laughs> then get this shit. Um. They decided to tow the boat back to land, but before they could, the fucking ship exploded and sank, and the wreckage had never been found. There's speculation that the ship was carrying highly toxic chemicals, and even some allege that it was carrying biological weapons. <laughs> some people believe that it never existed, and maybe it's just all sellers' lore, but it's kind of a badass story, though. <laughs> So, a little closer to home, right? Uh, so, there's the SS uh, Bonnockburn. And uh, the SS Bonnockburn is called, like, the Flying Dutchman of the Great Lakes. It went down in Lake Superior back in uh, 1902. Uh, November 21st, 1902. And what's crazy about this ship is that it's, it's an old-school, like, coal-powered steamer, right? Um, basically like a, a leftover from damn near like the civil war times, right? That's what this thing looks like. It's real old and it, it sank. It's everybody knows that it sank. It's not like it's still out there floating around or anything like that. As far as anybody knows, cause it's sitting at the bottom of the great lake, but still people have been reporting, seeing it occasionally off and on since 1902 like the most recent uh sighting of this thing was back in 2012 where a cargo ship coming in through lake superior reported to the u.s coast guard that there was an old era steamer that was getting dangerously, that had gotten dangerously close to crossing paths with it. And they couldn't get anything, they couldn't get a hold of it, nothing like that. And they thought they were getting ready to, to actually run it over, and it was just gone. Shit. Yeah. That's some creepy shit. 
Yeah, and apparent, like I said, apparently, like a lot of ships traversing the Great Lakes just see this fucking thing occasionally. That'd be scary, especially like drive, like driving a ship. Yeah. Oh yeah. You think you're about like to like selling a ship? I guess you would say. No, you think you're about to run over some shit, and you're just like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. And then just nothing. <laughs> yeah, and then nothing happens. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? <laughs> and then uh, another one. Jan Singh, it was a tanker ship found floating near Queens Island in Australia in 2006. There was no crew and no registration for the ship. There was a broken tow line on the bow of it, and the ship was completely inoperable, and... All the interiors were gutted. There was nothing on board. So it was basically just a shell of a ship. Well, they believed it was being towed to a salvage yard. But the ship is from the 40s. Like 40, 50 era. Like era. Yeah. And so they didn't know how long it had been at sea. So. Yeah, you never know. So... um. First one was 30, probably about an hour 10. All right, about an hour 10? Oh, okay. So I got, it's not necessarily a ghost ship, but it's the most haunted ship. Mm, yeah. So there is a hotel in San Francisco called the Queen Mary. It is an old ocean liner that has been converted into a hotel. Now, the thing about the Queen Mary is, is that the Queen Mary is probably one of the most famous ships among sailors, right? Obviously, it's not famous like the Titanic or any of these other ships to like normal, normal people. But if you are a fan of the ocean, you know about the Queen Mary. At one point, for actually, not, I don't even want to say at one point, for a long fucking time, it was the fastest ship at sea. Period. There was only, while it was in service, which was a really long fucking time, like 40 years, there was only ever one other ship that was ever faster than it. And that was towards the end of its commission. So out of 40 years, there was only one year where a ship was faster than the Queen Mary. And uh, like I said, it was an ocean liner, so its whole job was just bouncing back and forth between uh, like Europe and the United States or South America and the United States taking... Uh, immigrants, basically. Yeah. So uh, the war breaks out. Next thing we know, Queen Mary gets drafted to basically be a um, soldier, like to be transport for soldiers. So at one point, the Queen Mary actually, and it still holds this record today for the most people on a single vessel. It still holds that record. No one, no any other ship has ever had more people on it at one time than the Queen Mary. Yeah, but you also got to think, like, fire hazards and shit now, they're not going to allow that many people on a boat. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's like, it's just crazy how many, like, how historically significant this ship is. Nobody's ever heard of this fucking thing, right? Yeah. And uh, so during the war, they painted it gray, and because it was so fast and so quiet and everything else, that got the nickname as the Gray Ghost, ironically, right? Considering it's the most haunted ship in the world. And um, 
throughout the the course of its service during the war and also as an ocean liner, I mean, hundreds of people died on this thing. I mean, you're talking like just of old age, accidents, falling overboard, um, wounded soldiers dying, trying to like get them back home and everything else. Like maybe they had like complications from their injuries and they were being released to go back home and then ended up succumbing to their injuries on the ship. So like a lot of people have died on this ship over the years. And it was also involved in a lot of accidents during the war. Um, one specifically, it hit a ship called the Kurosawa or Kurosawa and literally cut this ship in half. Like the, the captain of that ship made a um, navigational error and they got too close and got run over, and uh, all 142 crewmen died. Shit. Yeah, and like it tore the whole front of the ship open and everything else, and a whole bunch of people drowned on the Queen Mary trying to get it like patched up because nope, they got to get these soldiers there. <laughs> you know, it's like we got a war to fight. And uh, yeah, so it's crazy. So after everything's said and done. They bring it, they decommission it, it gets brought back to the United States, they park it off the coast of San Francisco, and it gets converted into a hotel. And supposedly people see and hear all kinds of crazy shit, like uh, people staying on the ship will report seeing what looks like a young man, like basically jumping in and out of one of the bulkhead doors. And, like, the story is, is that during the war, and this is confirmed, this actually happened, that there was a young sailor on one of the troop transport missions that was trying to see how many times he could jump back and forth through the door while the bulkhead was closing. And he got caught one time while he was doing it and got cut in half. Yeah, and so people report seeing, like, a young man jumping in and out of one of the doorways and, like, they'll yell at him to stop, and then all of a sudden he'll disappear. And um, there are people that do, like, maintenance and stuff in the bottom end of the ship just to, like, keep it floating and everything else that will report hearing, like, horrible noises as if, like, the, the ship just, like, hit hit ground and it's just getting torn wide the fuck open. And they'll hear all this water rushing in, and so they'll panic and grab their tools and, like, start booking it towards, like, the stairs to try and get out before the bulkheads close on them and everything else. And then nothing. Nothing will happen. They'll come back, and, like, none of the bulkheads will get activated. There won't ever be any water. Nothing. But they'll swear to God that they. it sounds like the whole front of the ship's getting torn the fuck open. That'd be That'd be scary, but cool to see at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, Queen Mary, man. So anybody out there, if you ever find yourself out in uh, San Francisco and you want to stay in a really spooky fucking hotel, that's it. That's like the uh, Stanley Hotel of the Sea, basically. Most haunted shit. I want want to try to stay there one day now. I do, too. I (laughs) I really do. You got got any other? Uh, I got one more. It's kind of short, though, but I'll hit on it real fast. The Zebrina, uh, it left England for France in 1917. Only two days later after its departure, the ship was found off the northern coast of France. It had run aground. The captain and the crew were missing. The boat seemed perfectly intact, but there was a lot of speculation that the crew had actually been held hostage and taken aboard a German U-boat, and then the U-boat was sunk. 
So there's a lot of speculation around it, but there's no evidence to support this theory. It's just the ship ended up showing up off the coast and nobody knows what happened to the crew, the captain. Hmm. Now there, there's a lot of pirates and shit out there too. Like a lot of people don't think there's a whole lot of pirates that are still out there. There's a lot of well, fucking pirates, pirates still like, out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's big business right now. Yeah. Like, I think the last time I heard about it was like in the early two thousands whenever, um, they had to send a fucking SEAL team out to try to get those people off that ship that was held by pirates. You remember there was like a standoff for like oh yeah, five or six days. Yeah, they had to bring the, the, coast, the Coast Guard in to start sniping these motherfuckers. Yeah. It's fucking wild though. Yeah. So I got one more, buddy. And this is pretty badass. I don't know if you saw anything read or saw anything about this guy. So the Dash. Did you read anything about the Dash? I didn't read nothing about the Dash. Okay, so you're going to love this. This shit is great. (laughs) (laughs) So the Dash was a uh, ship back in the 1700s, right? Um, It was originally built as a cargo transport to run like sugar, spice, coffee, stuff like that from South America and the Caribbean up to New England, right? Um, At that point in time... It was the the captain of the ship boasted about it being like the fastest ship at sea, and for all good measure, it was. To as far as we know, it never lost a race. Like anytime another ship's captain wanted to challenge them to make it back into port, they always won. The dash always won. No. So once war breaks out and everything else, the United States government basically commissions it as a privateer, and they're like. You know, go fuck up French and British and whatever ships. And apparently the Dash was wildly successful. Like one of the most successful, if not the most successful privateering ship during the Revolutionary War. Like they were just fucking ships up because nobody could catch them. They could, they were so fast. They could just run in, fuck a ship up and get, and the, get fuck the fuck out, out of there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just ridiculous legend grew up around this ship throughout the course of the war, right? So after the war is over, it goes back to being a cargo transport. But again, it's so legendary at this point that all these uh, other ship captains with newer ships are keep trying to challenge it to a race and everything else. So at one point in and around like November, they, you know, the Dash ends up getting into this race with a ship heading back in towards Maine. And a storm started rolling in from the north. The other ship bailed. The Dash, I guess, out of hubris, was just like, no, we can make it to port before the storm hits because we're that fast. Nobody ever saw the Dash again. Disappeared. Shit. Never been. So, not that it's never been seen since. So, for the next, what, 200 years, <laughs> people still occasionally see it off the coast of Maine. Um, it'll just randomly, like, especially in like storm, stormy weather and stuff, um, ships that are stuck out to sea or, um, basically circumnavigating around the storms and everything else to cut back around. We'll see this old, like 1700s era schooner just out there and like they'll try to signal to it and everything else like what the fuck are you doing dude like that storm's gonna fuck your ship up and everything never hear anything back nothing so this is the crazy part this is the cool part so 
during the, I want to say it was the Civil War. During the Civil War, there was a um, base built on a small island off the coast of Maine in like a little, like, uh, not a lagoon, not a lagoon, but a, um, oh my God, I can't think of the damn name for it now. I just brain farted on what the fuck this geologic structure on the coast is called, um, where it's basically like a cove. So in this cove and, um, there was a bunch of ships and everything else stationed in the in the cove and everything else to protect the base in case there was an enemy attack and everything else. Well, randomly one night, all of a sudden this schooner comes barreling into the cove, like just comes rolling up on the port. And so all these ships start freaking the fuck out and they're just firing like crazy. And this ship's just coming in and just... I mean, running circles around them. And none of the ships, none of the military ships or anything could catch this fucking thing. They're all trying to shoot at it. Like, there was thousands, well, back in those days, it would equal to millions of dollars worth of damage now, but there was thousands of dollars worth of damage done to the surrounding countryside, like, and everything else in yeah. and around the base. Because these things, these, these guys were just shooting at this thing, trying to sink this fucking ship. And then all of a sudden, the ship just, like, fucking took off. And everybody was left like, what the fuck? Like, all the bra- military brass and everything are freaking the fuck out about, like, what the hell just happened? Why were all the- why were cannonballs getting shot towards the town and everything else? And they, you know, these, these uh, guys on the ship in the middle of the night were just basically talking about, like, man, this ship just fucking came in and it went crazy. And so we were shooting at it and everything else. And they were like, what the fuck was the name? It was the Dash. Shit. All the witnesses said that the sh- the name on the ship was the Dash. That's fucking wild. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool as shit though. Yeah, and it was only like the the only reason anybody made a connection is apparently like an admiral that was there was a naval historian and recognized the name of the ship. Damn, and it was just like that ship doesn't exist. Like that ship's been gone for like. God, a hundred years yeah. almost at this point. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, shit's crazy, man. <laughs> now, have you ever watched the show Manifest on Netflix? Oh, about the plane mm-hmm. that shows up like five yeah. years after when it was supposed to? Yeah. Did you know there's a similar real story out there, supposedly, that happened like that? Like from like 1950, I think it was 1955, a plane like disappeared and then it ended up showing up at like think it was like 1987 or some shit and when the people landed the guy like whenever he called on the radio like the guy was or after they had landed he was talking to the control tower and he was like yeah we were supposed to land i don't remember if they were going to florida or leaving florida but or going to florida or going to new york but it was some place in between those two it was either going to florida to new york or leaving Florida and going or whatever you know what the fuck yeah. I'm anyways but uh whenever they had landed at that other airport down in I can't remember where it was like Venezuela or some shit like nowhere where it was supposed to land but it had been like 37 years and he was talking to the air traffic control person and he was like 
this is 1987 or whatever, whatever fucking year it was. Yeah. And, and the guy on the plane just started wigging out and like a bunch of like the police and shit were showing up at the airport and the plane just took the fuck off again. And nobody ever heard from it again. I don't know how true it is. That's still yeah. a fun story, though. I was going to say, but it, it's yeah. a pretty cool story. I, I saw it whenever I was actually doing research for this shit because they were talking about maybe some of the boats just went into like fucking wormholes or some shit. Like, it's... <sighs> Always with the wormholes. It's cool It's cool as fuck looking into yeah. some shit like that, though. Yeah, no, this shit's always fun, man. I love a good story like that. But if you ever want to take a look at that, it's Pan Am Flight 914. Pan Am Flight 914? No. But anyways, you got anything else you want to say, Ryan? Uh, no, I don't have anything else, particularly no cool, more uh, ghost stories out there for these ships and everything else. But I mean, there's a fucking million of them. I mean, the the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, Because, you know, like me and Austin were saying, as long as there have been people that have been going out to sea... There, there are people missing out to sea. sea. Yeah, and ships missing and turning back up or people swearing to God that they saw ships decades after, you know, when one... Centuries after. Centuries after when one sank and everything else. So um, there is in... Ah, oh shit, I can't remember if it's Rhode Island or Maine. I want to say it's Maine. But there is a ship that supposedly is seen off the coast every so often. There's actually, like, um, poems and stuff from, like, poets in and around New England that have written about this ship because it gets seen so often, and it doesn't have a name. They just, you know, like, the different towns or whatever that it'll show up off the coast of, they'll just call it the ghost ship of whatever, right? And uh, supposedly... If you see it, somebody in your family is going to die. And so there are like dozens and dozens and dozens of stories that you can look up about this. Uh, the ship, it's called the Ship of Death. And if you look it up, you'll see like dozens and dozens of stories of people like just be like sitting at brunch at some like cafe on the coast and they'll see the ship off in the distance. And all of a sudden the ship will just like disappear. And then next thing they know that, you know, they go home to find out that their husband or whatever had a heart attack or like something crazy like that. It's like that shit off Supernatural. You yeah. Remember that episode with the ships where if you see the ship, you die. Like yeah. That's what that's later. based off of is. Yeah. Same ship. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Ship of death. Ship of death. You'll <laughs> probably find the poem too that kind of explains the lore behind it. All right. Well, thank y'all for joining the podcast this week. And... I think it's been an interesting one. It has been an interesting one. And if y'all got any topics y'all would like us to cover, you know, shoot us an email at the broology or at broologypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or any... hit us up on our Facebook. Um, don't forget about the message board on John's mom's ass. Yeah. That, that's the place we'll see the most. So Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if anybody out there wants to create us a subreddit, I'm not that big a nerd, but you know, if you want to go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyways, thank y'all for joining the Brology podcast this week join us next week when we talk about the history of sex toys, history of sex toys. And John's mom made some wild ones too. I mean, yeah, but. They're only wild because of necessity, right? Like, I mean, she's making them out of her own dung. 
and like chunks of concrete from the basement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we'll catch y'all next week. Latest. <laughs>